You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Necessary Roughness, brought to you by Southfield Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. With 11-year NFL veteran, Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year, and captain of the National Championship Michigan Wolverines, John Jansen. And 10-year NFL veteran, two-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle, and Super Bowl champion with the Green Bay Packers, T.J. Lang. Now, here's John Jansen and T.J. Lang. Well, TJ, you uh, you took off and landed safely as you are sitting right in front of me, but uh, I think everybody wants to know. I certainly want to know, how was the chopper ride? Uh, I got to tell you, it was better than expected overall, I would say. Uh, the first ride we had was a long one. It was about an hour and 20 minutes, and I don't think I opened my eyes for the first 10 minutes. I was kind of clamping onto the uh, sweaty palms, the arm rails, and uh, just kind of got myself in my own little peaceful, zenful world. Um, because we talked about a couple episodes ago, I'm I'm a very uh, scared flyer, whether on planes, helicopters. My, was my first time, obviously, but I, I do not like I like keeping my feet on the ground. Gravity is my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got to tell you, it was a it was an overall impressive pr- impressive uh, um, experience. It was a lot of fun, and you know we were we were on probably ten helicopter rides throughout the four or five days. So I kept telling myself, you know, like you better get used to it. <laughs> you're either getting on it or you're driving your ass three hours to the golf course wherever we're going to. So you better get used to it. But actually, it was um, you know by the by probably nice to probably, be you. probably the second day it was um, I just kind of it was weird. I got used to it, and I think a lot of it was. The takeoff is so different from, you know, being on an airplane. And takeoff and landings for me when I'm on the airplane are the worst. That's when my anxiety is at an all-time high. Um, and on the helicopter, I mean, it's just like, you ready? Okay, here we go. Boom. And you just lift up and you go. So yeah. that for me was the easy part. It shut out a couple, uh, you know, when you're on the runway and it feels like, you're, you, everybody's had this. When you're on the runway and you're taking off and it feels like you've been on the runway for about 30 seconds and you're like how much runway is left like is this thing gonna lift off (laughs) you know what i mean like we gotta be we gotta be taking off pretty soon uh so the helicopter was definitely easier uh um you know when it came to the takeoffs but uh i made it i survived i apologize i told you last week that if i did not make it back you could have one of my jet skis yeah i'm sorry that uh, you had to see my face walk in this morning I, uh, because I, I know you wanted that pretty bad. I know we're friends, but uh, anytime you throw a jet ski in, yeah. you really got to think about it. So there I was apologize. a certain level of disappointment when I saw you, and I thought, "Damn it, <laughs> no jet ski, no jet ski for you." Yes, yeah, but it was uh, it was uh, it was a good experience. It was a really good experience. So I've I've got another question for you, um, and this revolves around just the game of football, but there's a tweak to it. 
Um, when you were in the NFL, like we've seen NBA players, we've seen hockey players, we've seen baseball players, we've seen a lot of our contemporaries in other sports have the ability to go to the Olympics and perform their sport and get gold medals. Did you ever wish that football was an Olympic game and you had a shot at an Olympic gold medal for your country? No, not really. I mean, just because you realize, like, and and we used to have these conversations too, but, you know, who are you going to play against? (laughs) Right. I mean, it's almost like team basketball uh, for USA, you know, just – out there stomping everybody every single year if you if if they get the you know the perfect roster but um no i mean i don't think so i mean yeah that would have been it would have been cool to kind of represent your country and yeah, go to gold the gold medal wear and, the flag and uh but don't you feel like if it was football you'd just be kind of getting handed a gold medal i mean who are you going to play against you well, know <laughs> so as it is now right but it, you know if if we go down this rabbit hole a little bit further like if football was a global game and other countries played it. Now, I mean, I don't necessarily know that we hold it against a, a LeBron James, or you go back to the original Dream Team with you know Michael Jordan, Akeem Olajuwon, and and Barkley, and, and those guys. Like, wasn't it kind of the same thing? Like, it was just they showed up and they just dominated everyone. So it was it's kind of handed to them. But that's not really how we remember it, right? But basketball, I mean, is a pretty universal sport, and even their you know, other countries, there's Europe's obviously big and into basketball, but with football, I mean, do you, do you see the size of people in, you know, China? I mean, there's not many six, four, 300 pound dudes walking around in China. So you imagine lining up against the D tackle who's, you know, five, seven, a buck 80, you just you kind of, you kind of feel bad about playing them, wouldn't you? <laughs> Not we today's do, environment. We do seem to have the largest, pe- largest human beings in the country over here in America. So you kind of, you kind of have to leave your conscience at the door. <laughs> You're playing against, playing against somebody so small from a different country. But uh-huh. I mean, <laughs> it'd be cool. I mean, we thought about it. And there's, uh, you know, here's the thing. I mean, I think you play. Uh, we actually, man, you're kind of striking up a, a memory conversation we had where, you know, we we didn't we did have a conversation one time in the locker room about Olympic football, and I think we kind of came to the conclusion the only fair way it would be would be if, you know, so my grandparents are Irish; they all came over from Ireland. So if you kind of do that to where your family history is traced, and you decide you know, hey, I want to go You're play go for back. the Irish team and you right. go play for this team. And you could probably assemble, I would imagine, four or five teams from guys that, you know, want to play from wherever they're from, wherever their yeah. grandparents are from or whatever, and, and, and assemble a team that way to try to spread out the talent a little bit, I think would be, uh, would be interesting. Um, so it's interesting that you instantly went to the size discrepancy between what we've trained to be and that we worked at is is being as big and as strong and as fast as we can possibly be. Um, and then you throw in some violence. You throw in you know all the things that make football football to us. It, that what makes it special and separate from from other sports. What if you took size out of the game and you went 
with flag football because right now there is a movement that in 2028, the LA games, they want to put flag football in as an Olympic sport. How do you think that goes? Because you don't have to worry about the size. Right. You don't have to worry about all of the schemes and the, the strategy that goes into O-line, D-line play, blocking schemes, you know, blitz pickup, all of that stuff. You're simply putting out a group of receivers, and you've got a quarterback. I think that could be duplicated around the country because there are there's, there's fast people all around the world. There's guys that play different sports and they're athletic all around the world with it being six years away because they're going to vote on this in December. If it's put in as an Olympic sport, do you think, is it first of all something that you'd want to watch? And second of all, do you think it's something that'll be successful? Um, I think it would be interesting to watch. I, I think it would make it a little bit more maybe competitive, like you said, taking out, uh, just turning it into sort of a seven-on-seven seven type deal yeah. uh, with no big guys out there. But, um, I mean, I, I think it would still be a slaughter. You know, I still think you you assemble the best group of, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, you know, Devontae, like the yeah. best group you can assemble, and right. I don't think you're going to find no, anybody that could cover them. <laughs> there's no pressure. Like, yeah. there's no blitz. You'd have trouble finding guys from, you know, America to cover those guys. So it'd be, uh, it'd be, it still would be, I think it would be a little bit more competitive, but it would still be a slaughter. Um, yeah. And no, I don't, I mean, gosh, do I think it would be successful? I think it would be entertaining. Um, I would say that, but no, I mean, we just have experience over here with football that, you know, like you said, it's not really a globalized game. So there's a lot of countries that are just not familiar with it, you know, and, uh, it would be like us. I mean, what are some sports, you know, from, you know, different countries that we don't play here much. I mean, you know, what's the cricket game? It's kind of like baseball, but you got to skip. Do you think we could go compete with the best countries in the world? Probably not. I mean, just oh, I because think we could if we if we had well, six years to prepare for it. I mean, we're talking I mean, about six years down the road. Yeah, but you're talking about guys that have probably been playing it their whole life, you know, and understand the games and all the little intricacies of the game. It's just different. I mean, I I, I, I just don't think it would be. I don't think it would be competitive. I just don't. And well, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, and, you, like, and, I'm like you. You could you find fast guys all around yeah. the world and guys who can throw a, a football. But I mean, this is what we this is what we specialize in. This is what we the game that we learned from you know seven eight years old. You know, so I I don't. I mean, <laughs> it'd be kind of cool <laughs> to watch at least for uh, for uh, for one summer. But um, no, I don't think I don't think any other countries would even come close to competing. Well, um, it, there it is reported that the. The game of flag football is growing globally, um, and it is it is something that the NFL is supporting, obviously, um, and not that they're they want to develop you know a new scouting base around the world because if if you can run, you can catch, you can hit, doesn't matter where you're at, the, the you know NFL is going to find you, uh, but they want to expand the reach of the NFL. They want to to find new avenues of fans to tune in, especially if, you know, and it's being reported that, you know, Roger Goodell said the Sunday ticket in another year is going to go to a streaming service. Yeah. You don't have to have direct TV. It's just a streaming service, which would make it, I think, more accessible to everybody in the States, but it would make it more accessible to everybody around the world. 
um, you know, football fans. And we're talking about American football, not the one that you kick around with the round ball. Uh, but as a football fan, I'd, I would love to see this because I just love the game. Now, this is not the football as we know it. You rip the heart and soul out of the game when you take away, you know, the five offensive linemen and, and you know, the front seven on defense. But it is, it is something that I do think would be fun. It'll be interesting to see how, how it all pans out. If it does pass the vote uh, and gets the required votes in December, like I said, other countries, in essence, will have five years to prepare for facing United States flag football. Yeah. Now, what country, here, just one follow-up, what country do you think outside of the U.S. Mm-hmm. would have the best chance of competing with us in – a seven-on-seven league. I I see. I think this will be interesting because you got to go to some of the countries now. I mean, we've all seen track stars in high school and college track stars try and, you know, translate that to football. It doesn't always correlate. But if you're taking out the physical side of this, like there's not necessarily going to be a bump and run at the line of scrimmage. Um, and maybe, I don't know, who knows what the rules are going to be. Yeah, no tackling. I mean, there's no tackling. Flag, you so know? you take, you completely remove the physicality of the game. And I guess you'd have to look and say, okay, well, who are some of the fastest countries? Right. Um, you know, was, is, is this an opportunity for Usain Bolt to make good on, on some of his, you know, um, you know, challenges of, of Tyreek Hill? Uh, or Tyreek Hill on the other side. Yeah. Um, but I also, I guess I would look at at a country like Canada, right? They've got football. Right. And their athletes are probably, I mean, everybody knows that the best at what they do is in the NFL. And so I would say Canada would probably be a country that would, would compete, but it would be interesting to see who would take to it. I mean, the NFL's played in, in, in London uh, a number of times. You know, what is, what's seven-on-seven football or, you know, flag football look like over in England. Yeah. I mean, in, in Canada, you know, their sport is obviously hockey. You know, they learn to play that as a, at a young age like we do football here in, in America. But, um, yeah, you're right. It would, it would be interesting to see. Would, yeah. would My mind Canada going, beating the U.S. be as upsetting to us as maybe, you know, the U.S. beating Canada in hockey? Um, I think it would be absolutely destructive <laughs> hockey look hockey i think you're pretty even for the most part but except yeah. canada always seems to have a little bit of slighter upper hand but if canada ever were to beat u.s in football whether it's seven on seven eleven on eleven or anything i would think i mean we might have to change our, our country name that would be absolutely <laughs> dis- that would be despicable <laughs> Canada South. That would be yeah. despicable. <laughs> Maybe we'll just send uh, Dak Prescott and the entire core of uh, of uh, the wide receiver core of the Dallas Cowboys, since they're America's team, uh, or as known. Um, yeah, I'm glad you puked on that too. Now, TJ, we we are a podcast that focuses mainly on the Detroit Lions, and we are a mere. You know, we're still in double digits, but I believe it's about 11 days from when the rookies appear for training camp, which I believe is the 23rd, vets on the 26th, fans welcome on the 30th. And one of the most, I I guess, highly anticipated rookies 
in Detroit Lions history, now there's obviously been those that, that say, you know, Barry Sanders or Calvin Johnson most recently, or you could go down the list of, of rookies and their anticipation of what they're going to do throughout their career. But having a local kid in Aiden Hutchinson who went to Dearborn Divine Child right down the road from us uh, here in Southfield, went to the University of Michigan, you know, uh, and, and we believe put that program one of the guys that put that program on a different trajectory with what he was able to do in his senior year, uh, and that's when a Big Ten title get to the college football playoffs. That, what's going on in Ann Arbor is for another time, another place. But Aiden Hutchinson is now drafted number two overall by the Detroit Lions in this year's NFL draft, and there's been a lot of hype, a lot of discussion about what he's doing this offseason, what the what the expectations are for them. And I think it would be good for us to give our expectations to the fans so that maybe we can, maybe, maybe we can hype them up a little bit, but also temper some of those expectations of what to expect from Aiden Hutchinson in his rookie season. Yeah. And Um, it's about being realistic, you know, well, I mean, and, and, and and but he's going to be no different than any other rookie. Everybody, every team out there now, most teams, I should say, have a number one pick that every fan can't wait to watch. Mm-hmm. You know, they expect them to come in and uh, do great things from day one and, you know, be <laughs> show Hall of Fame talent and yep. all pro talent. And, and there's not 32 Hall of Famers that were drafted. It's not necessarily realistic. So we're here to talk about maybe what our expectations are as former players from a number one pick. Um, so as let far me, as what Aiden Hutchinson can bring this season, let me put some numbers out there for for you and for our listeners. Um, and you've got Javon Curse, who holds the rookie sack um, record. Uh, it, it was set in 1999, uh, my rookie season, uh, at 14 and a half sacks. Uh, Alden Smith in 2011 uh, for the San Francisco 49ers, 14 sacks. Micah Parsons was. Uh, we thought going to break that record as a rookie this past season. He ended up with 13. Dwight Freeney back in 2002 had 13. Uh, another 13 with uh, Hall of Famer, 1985, Reggie White. Um, and, you know, you go down the list, Simeon Rice. Uh, I don't know, did you ever have a chance to play against Simeon? No, he was He was before your time? Yeah, he was gone. I played against him at uh, Illinois. That was my first Big Ten game. Uh, it was Simeon Rice, Kevin Hardy. Uh, on the turf in Champaign. Simeon Rice uh, yeah. was a very underrated player in the NFL. Uh, underrated maybe on third down. Um, should not have been rated on first and second down. No. <laughs> no. Did not Just want any part of sacks. that. He wanted to get after the quarterback. <laughs> um, and so, you know, any any other, let's see, I'm just trying to think some guys, some guys that people would remember. How about recently, Bosa? Weren't, weren't, was, was it Nick Bosa that was up maybe 11, 12-ish, a couple of maybe, what, three years ago or so, um, I want to say? Well, my, my list does not go down. Oh, wait, it does go down that for us. Uh, so we got Joey Bosa had 10 and a half. Um, let's see if there's another Bosa. There's not another Bosa. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. 
Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I see on my list. Terrell Suggs in 03 had 12. Uh, Julius Peppers in 02 had 12. Um, so those are the best to ever do it as rookies. Right. And so that is, I would think, you know, 14 and a half by Javon Curse would be the ceiling. Right. Um, and most of those guys that you mentioned are either Hall of Fame or very close Hall very of close Fame to it and guys. but but also went to teams that were ready to win right um and went on a on a big level you know Tennessee in in 99 um you know San Francisco in 2011 uh we know what they did um so it's they're they're teams that were kind of built to inject a rookie and for them it, the, the system around them was built for them to have success I would not necessarily say that about the system with the Detroit Lions. Not that they can't, but I don't necessarily expect those numbers from Aiden Hutchinson. What is a legitimate good number for Aiden Hutchinson? You say, okay, if he hits this number, because I don't even know what the over-under is, um, like the betting line. Yeah, no, me neither. Um, Nor do I care. Yeah. Um, Realistic. When you're talking about numbers, pressure, sacks, hits, whatever, I think uh, sack total for me. I think I, I honestly anywhere between seven and nine okay. for me. I think would be a realistic goal for him. Um, now, obviously, if you ask Aiden, he's probably going to tell you, you know, well, he wants twelve, fourteen, fifty, right. right, whatever. But realistic when you understand that rookies. Uh, you know, they're going to go through a learning curve. Um, some go through early in the season, some go through mid-season, some go through late season. You're going to go through a little bit of a lull at some point um, where maybe you're going to get frustrated with not having numbers. But for him, for my expectations, I think, gosh, I mean, would eight be fair? I mean, probably, I think. You know, if you're talking about one every couple games as a rookie, I think that's enough to make a splash. But when when I think my expectations for Aiden Hutchinson – 
I don't even think about numbers. I don't think about, well, I, I want him to have, you know, two hits a game or I want to have him, you know, three pressures a game, whatever it is. I don't think about it that way. I think about as a rookie, I want to see what kind of spark you can bring to that defense um, because there's 10 other guys on that defense that are looking at you now uh, as a number one pick, as a second overall pick, as maybe being that bell, to- bell, bell cow type guy where – you know, hey, if he's playing with, you know, unmatched enthusiasm and energy, that's yeah. gonna that's gonna be contagious to the rest of the guys. So for me, it's more about, um, you know, non measurable things where I want to see constant improvement, right? I want to see, um, I want to see him develop, you know, different moves, right? Because in college, a lot of it was speed to power, right? I yeah. mean, a lot of his highlights were. You know, he's, rushing, he's, he's getting off the over. line faster than anybody else and then, you know, getting offensive tackle uncomfortable and then running them right through their chest. I mean, you're not going to do that to NFL tackles. You're just not. Mm-hmm. You might catch him <laughs> once every couple yeah. games, depending on your playing, but you're going to have to develop a lot of other moves to really become a uh, premier pass rusher in this league. So for me, I think it's about um, the intangibles. I want to see the energy and I want to see the passion and I want to see, um, I want to see him get better week in and week out because I don't expect him to come out week one against Philadelphia and have two or three sacks they just don't um so for me it's just about like i said more about the intangibles about what he can bring attitude energy wise to that defense yeah i would set my expectations i'm, I'm basically i'm i was thinking eight or nine when you said seven to nine so i'm going to say eight um in terms of of the sacks that i would expect from him this year right um and much like you and it's hard for for us to know how much those intangibles have an impact on the team. Uh, but what we saw from him at college was that just tireless effort. Now, if you can get that tireless effort and, and say from, from a guy like Romeo Okwara or a Charles Harris or a Josh Pascal that's coming in with them that says, Hey, I, I want to match that effort. And for veteran guys, like you don't want to be outdone by a rookie. Right. There's nothing worse than coming in on a you know Monday or Tuesday, Wednesday, whenever you're going to watch the game film, and a coach point out all the good things that a rookie is doing and looking at you going, why can't you do that? Right. You've been in the league four or five years. <laughs> yeah. like, I mean that is. Yeah. So that's a motivating factor. Yeah. And, it raises and, competition and could be one of those intangibles that has an influence on a Charles Harris or a Romeo Aquara or whoever else they have coming off the edge. And, yeah. and it's also one of those things that can be very contagious for the rest of that D-line, the rest of the defense, in that, hey, you know, Aline McNeil, Levi Onzerike, like those guys. And I expect Aline McNeil to have a big year this year. I expect, and it's going to be which hard to fair. measure in numbers. Yeah, which is fair. But when you pair what we've seen and the one thing that i do think from from having watched aiden over the past 4 years and and being around him on a regular basis is i don't know that there's another guy that would be more ready mentally to approach the nfl and and here's why i say that when when i would talk to Sean Nua who was his defensive line coach the last couple of times uh the last couple of years in in ann arbor he would talk about how much film Aiden Hutchinson watches. And it's not just, hey, you could turn the film on and you know take a nap. You could turn the film. It just doesn't mean that it's always that that's always a good thing. But when he is the guy that is scribbling more notes than anybody else, even when he's racking up 
historic numbers at Michigan in terms of sacks. He's the first guy in. He's taking notes. He's mastering his craft. He's the first guy out at practice. He's doing all the technique things. So when you talk about developing those new moves, um, and it's not just speed to power, it's how do you get to the edge? Can you dip a shoulder? Can you turn the corner? What is the move off the move? Because you and I both know he's not going to run over NFL tackles. I I used to love playing against guys that that was their only move because you knew you'd give up a little more ground than uh, against other players, but you would accommodate with your set so that you had enough give. Your quarterback still had plenty of time, and you didn't have to worry about him getting to the edge. You didn't have to worry about him trying to slip inside. What's the move off of the move? Yeah, secondary moves, third move, fourth move. The one thing that I thought separated him from – some of the other guys in the draft was his use of hands and his ability to, and I know that everybody says, well, you know, he's, he measured with short arms, his ability to get his hands on an offensive tackle's chest, the ability to swipe hands, fight hands, to rip, to make sure that that offensive tackle is, if, if Aiden is at a disadvantage of not having those long arms, how does he keep their hands off of them? And the one thing that used to always frustrate me when I would punch a guy and he had the ability to basically in mid punch, grab my wrist and redirect my punch over the top of his shoulder pads or to swipe my hand and knock one down that happens, but it's about replacing them. And I think he does, has done a better job than most uh, coming out of college with that ability. Yeah, and it's finding a way to turn maybe a weakness into a strength, right? Like you said, obviously, uh, the one, I don't know, negative people talked about was his arm length, right? So yeah. how do you turn that into into a strength? And he's found a way to do that in college. How do you find a way to now do that at the next level where you're going to have to do it every time, right? You're yeah. playing against big boys now. So, But don't, one thing, just to kind of wrap up the conversation, don't forget that, you know, numbers can always be skewed, you know, and by that meaning sack is always the biggest one for defensive linemen, right? How many sacks did he have? Mm-hmm. Um, there's guys that finish every year with maybe five or six sacks, right? But when you look at the pressure rate, you look at the quarterback hits. How much disruption uh, You know, they, those guys are make? in the... You're right. How, the, how disruptive are you as a pass rusher? A lot of those guys might finish, hey, maybe 30th, 40th in sacks, but they're in the top three in every other category, right? So if Aiden comes out and has, you know, five sacks this year, does that mean it's disappointing? No. Look at the other numbers, right? Maybe he's, you know, fifth in uh, hurry rate, or maybe he's, you know, third in knockdowns at the quarterback, right? There, there's obviously um, ways to still affect the quarterback without necessarily bringing him to the ground. And On the flip side of that, you might have a guy that has 10, 12, 13 sacks, and you're looking at him saying, what? You know, and and, and going back, I remember watching every week, you know, we would watch the sack tape, right? You'd have your individual matchup, and hey, it's week 10, and, you know, this D-tackle I'm blocking has seven sacks. Holy cow, you know, that's pretty damn good. I mean, that's almost one a game. Uh, Let me go watch the sack tape. And you watch it, and you're like, Okay, the first one was on a play action pass and the quarterback held on to the ball. Yep. Okay, kind of, you know, dirty sack. And okay, maybe the second one, oh, RPO and the guy's unblocked off the edge because, you know, we're run blocking. Quarterback pulls, goes to throw it, doesn't throw the ball. Now it's a sack. Okay, that doesn't really count. Didn't beat anybody. Oh, what's the third one? Oh, the quarterback scrambled and 
ran out of bounds for a minus two yard loss, but he's the closest one, so he gets a sack right. on the stat sheet. And you're watching these, and you're like, okay, come on, like <laughs> this guy's got seven sacks, but maybe five or six of them were handed to him, you know. Right. So those numbers can obviously uh, be be very skewed. But uh, just to hit on your point about Aiden, and and obviously you probably know him what be- uh, better than I do. But um, this time of year is you know obviously slow leading up to training camp. But just reading a couple days ago on. Uh, you know, what Michael Brockers had to say about him and um, kind of hit on your professional approach to the game where Brockers, and listen, you're never going to say anything bad about your teammates in the media, right. but some of the things that he said that caught my eye were, um, you know, when it comes to being a rookie, right? Rookie duties, always making sure the snack tray is filled, always mm-hmm. making sure guys have their sunflower seeds or whatever yeah. they like to chew on during meetings. Donuts on Friday. I morning. mean, it was kind of like I think I can't remember the exact quote, but Brockers basically said, you know, we didn't have we didn't even have to tell him. I mean, he came in day one and was like, tell me what you guys need, you know, tell me what you like in your coffee, you know, let's go. <laughs> so coming in with that approach because you do see some guys. You know, that come in a little arrogant. They come yeah. in cocky. Big time. They come in being, uh, you know, uh, Heisman Trophy finalist, whatever, a little bit, you know, a little bit bloated in their head. And it's a wake-up call when, when you have to go back to being a freshman again. And the fact that uh, it sounds like Aiden was prepared to come in, uh, you know, to be able to handle those responsibilities of at least making sure um, the veterans are going to respect him and he's going to respect the veterans in that room. Um, just kind of hit, hits on your point about the professional approach that he has at such a young age coming in and knowing that, you know, he's not just going to come in and expect everybody to, uh, you know, bow down to him just because he's number one pick. Mm-hmm. I mean, you still got to go through some some rookie hurdles and, uh, you know, duties and whatnot. And the fact that he came in so willing to do that, yeah. obviously, you know, in the veteran's eyes, uh, gets him gets him off to a very nice start. And with so many, just to tie a bow on it, with so many, you know, games last year where the defense actually did produce. They, you know, they they, they didn't allow more than twenty points. Yet, you know, the offense didn't didn't do, hold up their end of the bargain. There's going to come a time, and who knows if it's against Philly, if it's against Washington, or you know, if it's in the first you know part of the season where the Lions need a pressure. They need, whether it's a pressure and getting a quarterback off the mark or it's a sack or it's a, a swipe at, a, at an arm that's back and causing a fumble at a key moment. Like, as you mentioned, like you can do it like when a quarterback runs out of bounds. I'm the closest guy to it. All right, I get the sack. But when it matters most, it's third and long and a team is in a, you know, the opponents are in a two-minute drill and they've got to go down to get in field goal range. That's the time where I want to see, can Aiden Hutchinson, can he pull out his best move? Or can he pull that move off of the move and set a guy up so that at that moment, he takes advantage of everything that he's prepared for, and it all comes together in a moment where, hey, you do get that sack. You get that pressure. You throw the timing off so that the opponent can't move down the field can't get in field goal rage, and it gives – it's basically a game-winning play. Right. That's what I want to see from Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah, yeah. be a gamer. Be a difference maker. Yeah. Um, and much like we saw with Panesua last year, I mean, he's going to he's gonna have his hands full week one. I mean, you talk about – you remember last year Panesua going over to left mm-hmm. tackle and blocking Nick Bosa the whole game. And obviously a lot of eyes were on that matchup. You know, you get to see – uh, what the rookie's made of right off the bat. And with Aiden going to have a chance to, we don't know exactly where he's going to line up, 
um, yet, but you get a chance to go against Philadelphia and 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 Lane Johnson, who's been a uh, All Pro guy now for a long time. Um, that's going to be a big boy matchup. So that's yeah. you know that you're you're probably going to have some bumps in that game where you can learn from. Um, but if you have some really successful plays, just like Panay did last year against Bosa. That can go a long way for a young kid's confidence when mm-hmm. you're going against uh, a premier opponent, and if you're able to have some success early in your career, I think not only validates, okay, you know, boom, I'm ready, or even if it goes the other way and he has a tough game, saying, okay, I played the best, I know what I got to do now, I know what I got to do to get better. But um, that's going to be a matchup that is obviously going to be very intriguing in Gosh, I don't know. What are we about? Still eight, nine weeks away from week one. Yeah. We're gonna have a lot to talk about before then. But he's gonna he's gonna get a uh, he's gonna get a chance week one to go against a very formidable formidable opponent. And uh, there's obviously gonna be a lot of people watching that matchup to see what he can do. Yep. Training camp right around the corner. We'll continue to give you updates on on the roster, what's going on, what's good, what's bad. We're gonna both be down at training camp when it starts up. Uh, so uh, stay tuned for all your Lions information right here on Necessary Roughness.